See this book? I'm trying to learn every year how to read it better. How many love your Bible? Say amen. Amen. Faith comes by hearing. You find a person with weak faith, they're not in their Bibles much. Take it to the bank. No matter what other story you hear, will you read this book and get it in your heart? You don't have to try to have faith. You will have faith. But the Bible is an interesting book, different types of literature. There's letters in the New Testament written by Apostle Paul and others. There's poetry. There's historical narrative. There's prophetic utterances and apocalyptic passages like in Revelation. Some are easier to read than others. Sometimes God will speak to you through just one verse. Have you ever had that happen? Just one verse. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not. Yeah, just if you meditate on that verse, you get, can get a lot. Others, like one verse. Sometimes there's a chapter that has a message to you. You've got to stop back and read it, 1 Corinthians 13. Man, love, love is patient, love is kind. Sometimes the whole book of the Bible speaks to one thing like Jude. But then there's also interesting character studies in the Bible. They'll focus in on a person who lived, tell his story, and he'll take up chapter after chapter, and you're wondering, like, what's the verse? But it's not so much the verse. What God wants us to do is step back and say, all Scripture is inspired by God, and it's profitable for us. What profit do I get? Ooh, I got to think about that life. What's the lesson I can extrapolate from my life out of that? You get it? That's what I want to talk to you about. I want to tell you about one story, which a lot of you are familiar with, but three results. One story, but three different results. And it's, the verse is not the key. I have to tell the story, but the verse is important. So look at 1 Samuel, the last chapter, chapter 31, and we read this. Now the Philistines fought against Israel, and the Israelites fled before... Wait a minute. If Israel's God's people, why are they fleeing before the Philistines? That's not supposed to happen. Am I correct? But the Bible tells it the way it is. Fled before them, and many fell dead on Mount Gilboa. The Philistines were in hot pursuit of Saul, the king, and his sons, and they killed his sons, Jonathan, Abinadab, and Malkishua. The fighting grew fierce around Saul, and when the archers overtook him, they wounded him critically. Saul said to his armor bearer, draw your sword and run me through. In other words, finish it. Or those uncircumcised fellows, Philistines, will come and run me through and abuse me, make a mockery of my body, etc. But his armor bearer was terrified and would not do it. So Saul took his own sword and he fell on it, in a sense committed suicide. And when the armor bearer saw that Saul was dead, he too fell on his sword and died with him. So Saul and his three sons, and his armor bearer, and all his men died together on the same day. Now, there's a very depressing thought. Everybody's dying. So I want to tell you about these three people that are in the story or in the back of it. One is not mentioned. In 1 Samuel at the beginning, we have the introduction of Samuel the prophet. And Samuel was born at the beginning of 1 Samuel to a godly woman who prayed for him. Couldn't have children, prayed, believed God, Samuel came. And she dedicated him to the Lord, and he grew up 
around the tabernacle. There was no temple yet. And he was a prophet. He grew to be a prophet. He spoke not so much predictive, but he spoke God's heart to the situation. Well, the people wanted a king. They had never had a king. And God reluctantly let Samuel name or anoint the the first king of Israel, and that was King Saul. He was taller than anyone, the most handsome guy in Israel, the book says, and he became king. And at the beginning, he was a humble guy. He was hiding in the luggage baggage when they were looking for him, and he won some battles. He prayed to the Lord. Samuel tutored him, and he had a good beginning. But then the plot thickened. By the way, he had a son named Jonathan, had a daughter named Michael, among other kids. And they faced the Philistines, but now they weren't beating the Philistines because the Philistines had a giant warrior named Goliath. And he just taunted and tormented the people of God. Israel, get out of here. You're nothing. Why should we fight and kill each other? Send one champion out. If I beat him, you'll serve us. If he beats me, then uh, we'll serve you. Nobody's going out there. Goliath was a beast. So David was this young shepherd boy, and God had shown Samuel, I'm displeased with Saul. I'm going to replace him with David with somebody from Jesse's house, and David was the one. So David wanders out to the battlefield to see his brothers, and he hears Goliath taunting Israel. You ain't nothing. Your God is nothing. So David goes, what's wrong here? Why doesn't they shut this guy down? Let me at him. And he's like, you know, young. He's a shepherd boy. Let me go and fight him. Well, they get him to Saul finally. Saul tries to put his armor on him. David said, I can't fight with your armor. And there's a good lesson for us. You can't imitate someone else in your walk with the Lord. You have your walk with the Lord. You can't imitate. The world is not looking for an echo. It's looking for a voice. And all of us are individuals, and you can't imitate people. He said, I can't fight like you fight. I have to fight the way I fight. Give me a slingshot, some stones, I'm good to go. There's a good lesson in that, especially for preachers, anyone watching there. You can't copy other preachers. No two snowflakes are the same. Why would God put any of us the same, right? David goes out, kills Goliath, you know that. And Saul, you think, would be celebrating. Well, he was for a little while. And then, boom, he got the virus. Not COVID. (laughs) Something worse than COVID. He got jealousy. Oh, you think COVID kills? COVID's playtime compared to jealousy. Jealousy eats up the bones, Proverb Bible says. Preachers are jealous of other preachers. Women are jealous of other sisters in the church. There's jealousy everywhere. Out these doors, everything is jealousy. Envy, strife, fighting. Why most people attack another person on social media is they're jealous of them. Well, of course they are. That jealousy, you can't admit you're jealous, so you make up, oh, he's this, she's that. So Saul hears the people praising David, and he gets jealousy in him. And it starts to eat his lunch. And he starts to deteriorate spiritually. Once you get jealousy in you, church is out. You got to get to the Lord to help you. So Saul is uh, deteriorating. Now he starts disobeying God here, there. 
in another thing. Samuel says, go and do this. He doesn't do it. Samuel tells him, go over here and do that. He doesn't totally obey. He's deteriorating morally. And as his life goes on, he gets worse and worse. He tries to kill David. Now he chases David out of town, and David has to leave his parents with someone else, doesn't know what's going to happen to him. And although Samuel has prophesied over David, you're going to be the next king, it sure doesn't look that way. David's on the run. He's in caves. He's in deserts. He's in mountains. He's running everywhere from a madman who's trying to kill him, although he hasn't done one thing wrong to Saul. You think you have pressure, and you have problems. Talk about panic attacks. Life was one big panic attack for David. By the way, he wrote a lot of his psalms while he was on the run. So Saul now tries to get him. He can't get him because God is protecting David somehow. So Saul gets to the place where he's gone mad. If you read 1 Samuel, it's, it's an it's a analysis of going morally insane, spiritually mad. And the Word of God tells us that the Philistines, the perpetual enemies in those days, they're going to go to battle with Saul and Israel. Saul wants to talk to God. And then we learn this. Now Samuel was dead, and all Israel, he was the prophet, had mourned for him and buried him in his own town of Ramah. Saul had expelled the mediums and spiritists from the land. That means the witches, the brujitas. If you speak Spanish, you know what a brujita is. That's a witch, fortune teller. Someone who wants to read your palm, give your sign, tell you, you know, wait a minute, I'm contacting your, your Uncle Tito, and I got a message from him, all of that stuff. Saul had kicked them all out. Listen, Saul had kicked everybody out because the Bible in the Old Testament forbids that. By the way, I just want to stop here. Don't ever consult anyone like that. If you want to know your future, read the Bible. The Bible gives us our future. It tells us, wait, our past. Don't ever do that. You're opening yourself up to stuff that you don't want to know about. Santeria and all of that stuff has certain power, but greater is he that's in us than the one that's in the world. Wait, 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 wait. So don't do that. Don't ever do that. You have to look at your horoscope. You have to go to a palm reader. Come to me after the meeting. I'll charge you $10. I'll read your palm. Surely goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. I take Visa, MasterCard. You come. I'll, I'll read your palm for you. You get what I'm saying? No, this is muy serio. This is serious. People do that who say they're Christians, who read their Bibles. They're consulting people. They're wrong. Forbidden. And that's why Saul had forbidden them to be in the land. But now, after he got afraid, and they set up, uh, set up camp at Bilboa, and when Saul saw the Philistine army, he was afraid. Terror filled his heart, and he inquired of the Lord. But the Lord did not answer him by dreams or Urim or prophets. In other words, Saul had got to the place where God was done talking with him. This makes us pause. You can turn your back and so grieve God and so provoke God that then in that day of trouble, the Bible does hint, and when you call, I will not answer. But this is an extreme, but it's a warning for us as we'll see. So Saul then said to his attendants, the woman on the organizational chart who was in charge of witches, 
Find me a woman who's a medium so that I may go and inquire of her. Oh, there's one in Endor, they said, the witch of Endor. And Saul actually goes there. And when he goes there, she says, can I trust you? Because you know, King Saul has forbidden us to exist and we could die if I'm found, if I'm caught. And she's talking to King Saul. You can't make it up. So get this. Sin can so blind that you end up doing the very things you prohibited other people from ever doing. That's why this story is in the Bible. Gradually, never overnight, you go from anointed king to consulting a witch. That is a long trip down. Well, what has that got to do with us? This is something that you have to take a lot more serious, brothers and sisters. I'm trying to take my role serious as a pastor and the other pastors, but look what Hebrews 3 says. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. This is written to Christians. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you in the balcony or here has an unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. Instead of faith, disbelief, unbelief comes in, and now you turn away from God. But encourage one another daily as long as it's called today, that means every day, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We have come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the very end. That's why God put us in community. That's why there's a body of Christ. The pastor isn't the big cheese. Pastors come, pastors go. But members in the body are supposed to every day look for ways to encourage each other because we all need encouragement. That's our job with one another. Why? Lest anybody get hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Just because you started the race doesn't mean you're going to finish it. God has to give us the grace to run it every day. So notice who he puts the, the, the onus on. Members of the body, men and women, talk to each other, eat together, sing together, and encourage each other. Don't go there. Remember Saul? No, no, no. Put down that horoscope. Remember Saul? Come on. You have Jesus. You don't need that junk, that Ouija board, all that other stuff. You know, watching, either watching right now or in the building, I get a sense here to stop and just say, I'm pleading with you. I'm not preaching. I'm trying to be one of those people to encourage you. Let it go. Drop it. Stop it. Go home and burn whatever literature you have that shouldn't be in your house. Don't say you're under control. Nobody can control sin. Sin gets momentum and it'll eat your lunch. That's why he has Saul in here. And that's why that verse, as long as it's called today, encourage each other. Notice it's more than just, hey, buddy, how you doing? I just want to encourage you. No, it's meaningful conversation, encouraging them in the Lord and reminding one another, let's stay close to Jesus. How many want to stay close to Jesus? Because if you don't stay close to Jesus, you can start to drift. And then you start doing things. And then your conscience starts to get less sensitive. I'm talking to you, please. I don't want your money. I don't want anything from you. If you're on the road of Saul, do not leave the building till you come up to the front at the end. 
And I'll pray with you and someone will pray with you because your soul is at stake. Who cares about your money and your house? We're all going to lose all that. Naked we came into the world. Naked we're going to leave. But I mean your soul. So just remember, he went from anointed king to talking to a witch. And that's a warning for all of us. How many preachers have started strong? You start on fire for God. And 15 years later, the guy's a shell of himself. And then 10 years after that, he's hardly sober. I know people like that. They used to study the Bible and preach, and now they drink their life away. So just because we start sincere, we need Jesus every single day. Let's encourage each other. All in favor, clap your hands. Come on. We need to encourage each other. So now someone's going to say to me, no, no, I don't want anybody encouraging me. Don't you get in my business? There's a lot of people like that. People who say that are either not a Christian or they're colossally immature. When we encourage each other and we pick up something that's wrong in another person or at least a thing of warning, we have to have the humility to receive it. What, are you perfect? I'm not. So if you take this attitude, hey, look, I go to church on Sunday, that's it. I doubt whether you're really born-again Christian. Because born-again Christians, this resonates with them. They know we need each other. Do I get an amen? We need each other. God put us on this journey together. He could have saved us as individual units, and we never would meet together, just meet with him. And we have that privilege, but we meet together. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves. Why? We can encourage each other. I need it. My wife's down in Florida. This is the longest I've been away from her, I think, since we're married almost. It's like a month. And uh, she'll be back in a little while, but they're checking on some things here. But I can tell about my wife when I talk to her, and she wants to talk to me. I'll go, hi, Carol, how are you? Jim, how are you? You shouldn't say you eat bologna sandwiches on the, in the service. People are going to think I don't take care of you. I said, well, Carol, you're in Florida. I, I, you know, we got that and all that. And she wants to talk. I mean, she's alone. She wants to talk. Other times when I call her, I can tell right away she's not abrupt, but she's like, let's move on. And I go, okay, right, yeah. Carol, are you at Home Goods right now with your sister? Are you shopping at Home Goods? Yeah, how did you know? I said, I can tell. I'm getting like, let's get this thing moving, this phone call. I got to look at this painting or something. But we all need encouragement. My wife needs encouragement. I need encouragement. That's one of the purposes of marriage. You encourage each other. Saul, he died. He went into a battle, and he was muerte before he even got there. He was dead while he was living because he had crossed that line. And the Bible says here in Hebrews, let's, let's encourage each other. That's all I want to do today. This is not a sermon. I'm trying to encourage you like you were in my office, just one of you. So that downward slope, remember, it gains momentum. You can't control backsliding. Every day, let's get, draw me nearer, Lord, nearer, nearer. Now, let's go back to that first verse. Look. The Philistines were in hot pursuit of Saul and his sons, and they killed his sons, Jonathan, Abinadab, and Malchishua. Now, when David killed Goliath, 
He was the toast of the town. But Saul's son, Jonathan, is this unique character in the Bible. And he's almost without fault. You, don't, you can't point to a verse where he did something wrong. He was bonded with David. He loved David with a special love. He saw that David was going to be the next king. He knew it. Although he was in line because he was the son of the king, Saul. But he said, no, you're the anointed. Everyone knows you're going to sit on the throne. And David is running from his father, Saul, and going, king, I'm just trying to stay alive for another day. He gave him his cloak one day. He gave him his sword. He risked his life for David. He would go and try to talk sense to his father, which was impossible, impossible. And say, Dad, what's wrong with you? What are you trying to kill him for? He killed Goliath. He risked his life. He's loyal to you. What is wrong with you? You miserable son, you're on the side of of the son of Jesse. And, And he got aggravated, but he stuck with David. He stuck with David. When he actually made a deal, I'm going to talk to my father and find out, try to discern if he's really still after you. And, you know, Jonathan tried to believe the best of his father like we all do, but his father was whack. And when he talked to David, David said, look, don't don't tell me about your dad. You know, he threw his spear at me twice. This is not a sign of love. So Jonathan is just, and Jonathan told him, you're going to be king. And now we have a bond friendship forever. So could you please tell me why on that day, He was silly enough to be at the battlefront and get himself killed. Fighting for a man who just saw a witch. For a people that God had turned on. Did you notice verse 1? Now the Philistines fought against Israel. The Israelites fled before them and many fell dead. Well, wait a minute. That's the way some of you think and some people think. I just go to church and I quote verses and that means God is with me. Notice, Philistines were giving the Israelites more than they could handle. So let me just ask you this here. Who were the circumcised chosen people of God? The Philistines or the Hebrews? Who could say our our forefathers are Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? The Philistines or the Israelites? Who had the worship given to them along with the law to Moses on Mount Sinai? The Philistines or the Israelites? Who was in covenant with God, the living God? The Philistines or the Israelites? Who was getting the beatdown of their life? The Israelites. That's not the way the movie's supposed to end. But you know what the lesson is for us? When you turn your back on God and do your own thing, all bets are off. Oh, no. You don't, don't, don't and you know, you haven't talked to God in seven months, and now you're up against it, and you're just going to pull him out like a credit card to use him? No, yet. So that's a good reminder to all of us. Let's be real about the thing. How many want to walk with God and have God with us every day of our life? Wave your hand at me. We want to be able to say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. If God be for us, who can be against us? But you got to be with God. You can't do your own thing and then call God out. That's what I want to just leave you with here today. I want to, another way we need to encourage each other. Don't fight battles you don't belong in. I wonder how they got Jonathan out there. You know, Eric, I really do wonder how they did that. I, they probably did the, the La Familia thing. It's your father. No, but he was just with a brujita. I ain't fighting for him. 
because I'm going to get myself killed. Jonathan should have been David's secretary of state. He should have been the head general of David's army when David came on the throne. Instead, he wasn't even around. Well, pastor, what are you trying to say? What I'm trying to say is there are battles that you fight are the battles of the Lord. And you know that the Lord has called you into that battle. I don't see anywhere where Jonathan asked the Lord, I want to inquire of you. Should I go and get my head handed to me in this battle, fighting with my father and with the Israelites who you've turned your back on? How does that come out in real life? Think of all the ministers. I know some fairly well-known. Others, you you wouldn't know them. They've lost out with God because they're fighting culture wars and political battles. God never called them to. He told them to preach the word. They're linked now with the Republicans or the Democrats and the woke and the not-so-woke and the semi-woke. Who called them to fight that battle? I don't see it in the Bible. I said, "Preach, preach the gospel and build up the kingdom. That won't keep you busy enough. Because when you line up with people who just consulted a witch, I don't like that circumstance for any of us. If we're going to fight, let's fight with the believers together. Fight the good fight of faith. Extend the kingdom. Preach. Help children. Do something for the Lord. But getting caught up in this other stuff, it ruins your spirit. It's very hard to witness to people after you call them all demons. What? This is back 2020. I saw this in Florida every day. Ministers telling me, what? You're going to open up and you're going to observe social distancing? You devil. I knew you were one of those. What? You have to wear a mask to come in the church? You devil. This is for people in the church calling their pastor that. I don't know how it was in Romania, but it was crazy here. Then pastors would tell me in the same room, that's so strange, Pastor Jim. Because I just sent out an email blast, we're going to open in two weeks, and we won't have social distancing, and you don't have to wear a mask. And people assaulted me on social media, members of the church. Why? Because I I didn't preach against something wrong in the Bible? No, because I dared to disagree with their political view. Brothers and sisters, let me tell you something. I am half Ukrainian. I am half Polish. I am neither of them. I am a Christian first. I would like, wait. I'd like to tell you something else. I was born in Brooklyn, born and raised here. I'm an American citizen, but that is not my real citizenship. My citizenship is up in heaven. Listen, I'm going to obey the laws and pay taxes, but if you think that this is the answer to the world, there's only one holy nation. It's not Poland. It's not Romania. It's not America. We are God's holy nation. Why are you looking at me like that? What is your identity? Are you black first or are you a Christian? Are you white first or are you a Christian? Are you Fox News? Are you CNN? What are you first? In other words, what's your base? I want to declare to you, let Jesus Christ be your base. Come on, let's put our hands together. If it's in the Bible, if it's in the Bible, let's do it. If it's not in the Bible, I know, but those are your people. Hey, I don't have any people except Christians. My dad was an alcoholic for 22 years. What did you want me to do? Follow his instructions? Stop it. Very few have their identity as Christians who want to obey the Bible. Very few people I meet, even ministers now. Like I want to shake them. You're going to wreck your church. You're just preaching to the anger of the people. How many get what I'm talking about? Say amen. But is that what the Lord told us to do? You're going to lose 
not make necessarily your life, but you're going to lose your spiritual life fighting battles. God never called you to, never called you to do that. You're all up in arms and you're all uh, hot and bothered about this cause and that thing. And you're working with people who curse Jesus every other sentence. That's your team. Hello, that's your team. That's who you're going to die for. I ain't. I want to be with God's people. Are they perfect? No. But neither am I. But at least we're Christians. The president of my country is Jesus Christ. I don't know about you or anybody else. Is that not our president? Come on. Our king of kings, lord of lords, CEO. Uh, Some of you don't like that, but it's true. It's true. Some of you, that's what's holding you back now. What really rouses you is not what Satan's doing. No, what your opposites, your enemies are doing. Take that to the bank. Oh, I talk to people all the time. They're not upset about Bible things, spiritual things. Their kids are going to hell in a handbasket. It doesn't even bother them. What they're mad about is whatever. Hey, the world's messed up. Have you noticed that? How many have noticed that the world is messed up? Just let me see your hand. And according to Jesus, it's going to get more messed up. I don't want to hear that. All right, you'll talk to him about it. He said it's going to get bad in the last days. And do you think there's any other answer but Jesus and the gospel? I'm pleading with you. I'm trying to encourage you. Don't fight battles God didn't call you to. Now, oh, no, God spoke to me. Then, look, do whatever you feel the Lord. But I'm warning you. Jonathan lost his life in a battle. God had turned his back on Israel. And Jonathan, you want to run to the battlefield and grab him and say, dude, don't do it. You need to be working with David. He's going to come to the throne soon. Watch the downward pull. We got to encourage each other. That's from Saul. Watch fighting battles that God never called you to. You know how you tell when you're in the wrong battle? It riles your spirit. You get all ugly inside. How many know what I'm talking about? Come on. You're wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong. You don't even know what you're talking about. You're wrong. Yeah. Yeah. I'd like to share the word with you now about how the Lord loves you. Who's going to listen to you? Who's going to listen to you? Who's going to listen to me when I'm mean to people? There's a lot of meanness out there, man. So last, we'll finish. One last person. So encourage each other daily. Remember Saul. Remember encourage each other daily. Hey, Jonathan, don't fight battles. I'm thinking of a minister in a country in South America. What a man of God in a country that I've been to many times. Oh, my goodness. I met him 25 years ago. God knit our hearts together. And someone got behind him, some political party, knew he had a big church and said, would you run for office? And he got swallowed by politics. Then you got to compromise to get votes. And then you know how that works. Come on. And now he's a shell, a shell. He won office, small office, you know, minor office. But then he... He didn't win, but that like, makes me important. I'm in, I'm in Congress. That doesn't make you important. Having your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life, that's what makes you important. Not Congress, the White House, the Senate. What's that about? So David, he's not there. So here's how we can encourage each other. When David, notice what happened that day. Saul had been chasing David for years, tried to kill him seven different ways. Couldn't do it. Twice while he was running from Saul, he had Saul at his mercy. 
Saul had to, the Bible says, relieve himself, and he went into a cave. Guess what cave he went into? Where David and his men were. And they were like, yes, this is the day, this is the day that the Lord, we got him. Put, the, put your javelin through his chest. David said, won't do it. He's the anointed, he's the king. I respect the office. And if God wants man the throne, God will do it his way in his time. A little bit later, they went into the camp of Israel. God put a heavy sleep on the army. And there was Saul, unguarded by Abner, who should have been watching him. And Saul was sleeping. And the men were going, high-fiving each other. Let's take him out. We've been running for months away from our family because of this one man. God made it. Don't you get it? God made it so you can kill him. Not doing it. But notice how God takes care of business. So let let me encourage you with this. Let God handle your business. Don't handle it yourself. Don't try to get the last word in. Promotion comes from the Lord. Not from the north, south, east, or west. Promotion comes from the Lord. And I want to encourage you with this. Every word God has ever spoken to you from the Bible and every spirit word that you've ever received from God who promised to do something for you, he will do it. No, but I've been waiting. His timing is not yours. But you don't know how things look now. How do you think David felt? Hiding in caves and yet ringing in his ears, you shall be the king of Israel, for I have chosen you, saith the Lord. What chance did he have? But when God begins something, he's going to finish it. Look about your son, about your daughter, about you, about your ministry, about what God wants you to do, about how those bills are going to get paid. I'm telling you, let God do it. I have found in my own life when I try to help myself or help God along, I make a mess of things. You just mush it all up. I'm thinking of all kinds of situations where over the years, mm, many times the hardest thing of faith is to just wait for God to do it. But I'm here. God woke me up at 3.30 in the morning to tell me he will do it for you. Look at me. He will do it for you if you just trust him like David did. Keep a humble spirit. Don't get all full of yourself. The two people that God struggles with and has a hard time are the people who fall behind God. They won't believe him. They won't believe him. They just can't believe him. They lag behind. Also are a problem are the people who go ahead of God. They can't wait for God to do it in God's time. So they're going to fix it in the name of the Lord. Both those people have tragic moments. Let's trust God today. Have I encouraged anyone? Listen, number one. Listen, escuche. Remember Saul. Remember Saul. Encourage each other, lest anybody be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Once you start indulging sin and got a little something on the side that no one will work, it'll put a veil over your eyes. Your heart will get hard. You do not want to go there. Remember Jonathan. Don't waste your energy and time and focus on battles that God never called you to fight. It's not your battle. You got to know when to hold them, when to fold them, and when to walk away. That's not in the Bible, but it, it applies right now. How did I ever just say that again? But you get what I'm talking about? Sometimes the wisest thing is to say, no thanks. No, but we need you in your gifting and no thanks. No thanks. 
And lastly, the Lord is going to come through. Please, don't be discouraged today. I know it's hard waiting. I know it doesn't look good. But if God gave it to you, cling to that promise. Let's close our eyes. If this message was meant for you in some way, in a special way, and you're receiving that encouragement from God and you want God to know you're acknowledging, Lord, you brought me here to this church, whether I come regularly or I'm just visiting. You brought me here to hear your word and I receive it. And now I'm going to not just be a hearer of the word, but by your grace, I'm going to be a doer. I'm not going to go down that road, that cliff. I'm not going to fight battles that you never asked me to be a part of. And I'm going to trust you. Those things look so miserable. They look worse than when I started praying. But I know you're going to help me. My faith tells me not to look and walk by sight, but walk by faith. Just stand up where you are. I'd love to pray over you. Just, come on. Be honest, sincere. This is more important than where you're going to eat today or anything else. Come on, this is God talking to you. Up in the balcony too. If you're standing, come on, vamanos, come quickly. Come to the front. Come quickly. Come on. Come on, come down from the balcony. They'll wait for you. Come down. Jesus, you know my heart. I just want to encourage the people today. And you told us as long as it's called today, we should all be looking to encourage one another. Lest anyone fall out of the race, get on the wrong track, become like Saul, downward, tricked by the enemy, end up doing things that he prohibited at another time in his life. We don't want to end up like Jonathan, Lord, fighting battles you didn't call us to and losing our lives, losing something precious because we're not fighting your battle. Make us like David, Lord, to trust you no matter what. Encourage the people, Lord. Encourage my sister with that wayward child. Encourage my brother there who's been praying and believing nothing seems to be happening. We're not looking at circumstances. We're looking at Jesus today. And he never fails. Heaven and earth will pass away, but his word will never pass away. Te amo, Señor. Bless your people. Every eye closed. I want to encourage these folks. Take a little bit more time. Oh, Lord, thank you for your word. And prepare us and keep us safe, God, should you tarry until Tuesday, Dr. Mully. Oh, what a night that will be, Lord, as you bless us. And as we rejoice in what you're doing in Africa and other places. But right now, God, I want to encourage my friends. I have been discouraged. So lift them, God, lift them. You're the God of all encouragement and comfort. Lord, bless my brothers, my sisters here. They need you like I need you. And we're going to walk with you today. You helping us. And we're going to encourage each other. We're going to lift each other up. We're not going to pull each other down. We're going to lift each other up. 
And I just thank you for this Sunday. We felt your presence from the first song, Lord. Get our friends home back to Nashville safe, Lord. And bless the choir. Give them a good rest tonight, Lord. Get everyone home safely. Bring us back Tuesday, should you tarry. Meet our needs, we pray in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Give someone a handshake of encouragement or a hug of encouragement. Come on. Come on, encourage someone. Oh, come on. Give someone a hug or a handshake.